Welcome to RevMD, a podcast created for healthcare professionals by healthcare professionals. We will share tips on medical billing and coding, as well as workflow optimization to help practices succeed, thrive, and grow revenue. All right, welcome back to another week of the RevMD podcast. So this week, we're going to talk all things finances. You know, when we started thinking about this topic, I recognized as I'm looking across our own clients that physicians and healthcare providers who run a private practice and really institute best practices with regards to finances are going to be the ones that thrive. They're going to be the ones that bring in more revenue and really make a difference between those who are successful and those who are going to end up out of business. And I'm not saying that as a doom and gloom, but just you have to be able to take look at the revenue that's coming in, at your expenses that are coming in, really in order for any business to thrive, right? This isn't just private practices. And I'll have to say in medical school or other healthcare training, we just really aren't taught enough regarding that business side of medicine. And truly, that is one of the reasons why we started this podcast. It's one of the reasons why we started our company. And so it doesn't mean that just because we haven't learned it already, we can't learn it. It just means that we have to have this be a focus. We have to have carved out time where we focus on the business side and really take a look at the details. Now, if you have somebody that you've delegated to, that's great as long as you have some pulse on what's going on so that you can help provide input and guidance. doesn't mean that you need to be in all the weeds, but you just at least need to have a high-level picture. And I am going to use a quote from Dr. Una from Entree MD. And if you haven't listened to her podcast, go check it out. She's amazing. The more we learn, the more we share, the more we evolve, and the more we change healthcare space. And I think that this enables us to look at the finance or business side of medicine and realize that if we can crush that, if we can do that well, that we can continue to stay in private practice, that we can continue to thrive and and help our patients. And I'm a huge believer in that. If we can learn and do this well in our own practice, and even this helps our own personal finance. And so every dollar counts today, and we're going to talk about five financial strategies to boost your private practice. So number one are going to be the basics, right? Financial benchmarks. Whether you decide to do this yourself or hire someone, there must be someone to oversee operations and finances of your practice or your business. Of course, if you've delegated this, like I said, be engaged in reviewing these details monthly at least, so that you understand the trends and can jump in with decisions that need to be made appropriately for the business. And specifically, I'm talking about your revenue and expenses. And not just at a high level, that's a good place to start, but really looking at the details around each of these categories. Things like physician and provider productivity, staffing ratios based on volume and revenue, and then also measuring and breaking down your expenses and trending all of those month over month. You're going to want to take a look at your collections and compare that, what you're actually receiving in your bank account to what is being posted in your practice management software. There have been multiple practices where we're looking at their accounts receivable and the collections that's occurring in the bank account isn't equaling the posting in the billing software. And this could mean that you have a problem with posting or you have a receipts problem going on with your billing. Now, 
This can also be because of a manual process. And so you really want to make sure as much as possible you're doing as many direct deposits with the payers, that you have those ERAs connected to your billing software so that you don't have any lapses when it comes to a manual process causing an increase in AR and resulting in posting issues. So please make sure that you're taking a look at all of this when it comes to your monthly review. You also wanna get down to the physician and provider level when it comes to expenses and revenue. That way you have some idea of understanding or being able to forecast when people wanna take vacation or take a leave of absence. So you really wanna understand again that revenue and expenses down to that physician or provider level. Now, if you're a physician, healthcare provider, or CEO of your own practice, this has to be something that you put your time and attention to. I cannot stress that enough. You're going to want to get to the point where you can forecast your revenue and expenses month over month. And it may not be something that happens right away. That may take two years to really understand seasonality or your payer contracts, but it's something that I think end goal really helps businesses run well. When you're thinking about expenses and breaking down your expenses, you're really going to want to look at all of the different categories of expenses that you have in your practice. So this can be salary, wages, and benefits, your rent or mortgage, supplies, and contract services. And so contract services, if you're not familiar with that term, really is just your vendors, right? What vendors do you contract with and and what are you paying them each month? And these may not be stable month over month. There may be variation, but if you can have some idea of are these varying 10%? Are they varying 50%? That may help you understand, okay, where is that variation stemming from? And do I need to relook at utilization or other issues going on with each of those different categories that I can help it become more stable? So understanding these trends is really going to help you make staffing and vendor decisions and determine are there opportunities or needs to cut back in certain areas or hey, do you have a surplus and is there an opportunity to invest in something that you've been looking at in order to improve business operations? Now, I know this isn't everyone's favorite topic. I know they can be overwhelming and I know it's sometimes hard to figure out where to start. And so certainly just starting somewhere. Okay, what's my what's my in and out? What's my revenue and what's my expenses every month? Just high level. And then you can start breaking down, okay, this month I'm going to focus on outlining all of the different expenses that I have and what am I paying for each of those expenses? Do can I do a look back the last 12 months and and break that down? And if you do have an office manager or somebody in the office who's able to do that for you, it doesn't need to be you or the owner of the practice. It just needs to be somebody. And then you can sit down at the end of the month and review that. Now, if you are a, a single provider, single physician practice, and you are it, then certainly finding the time to do this yourself is going to be important. If this isn't your cup of tea and you're like, I just don't really like to do this, identifying somebody who can help even part-time is going to be critical. So number two, billing metrics. I know I've talked about this before, but I think it's important for everybody to kind of refocus and make sure that you do have some billing metrics in your practice. The most successful practices are going to be analyzing their claim volume, their visit volume, their denials, their AR, and then taking action with their billing team to reduce those as necessary. 
In, in our world, we really prefer that the billing partner is helping push that information to the practices because oftentimes if you rely on your staff to pull it and go into the practice management software, they may not be familiar with which report to pull, how often to pull it. And if the software doesn't have a dashboard or something easy, it often is one of the first things to get dropped. As you know, denials and any issue in your billing process between when a claim is submitted and when money is in your bank account, if that process isn't buttoned up, that means that it's going to hurt your bottom line. It's going to hurt your cash flow. It's going to impact that variability of revenue. And so sometimes even just looking at your denials and your front office process around eligibility and verification can be simple things that really help make sure that you're getting paid on time. And you'll want to make sure that your billing partner is working with you to identify if there are coding issues that are leading to those denials, that you're giving a heads up to all of your physicians and providers in the group to say, hey, we, we need to change this. We shouldn't use that ICD-10 code. That's not going to work. We need to identify if there's something more clinically appropriate. So again, it's really important to have someone focusing on this and reviewing it on a month to month basis. Like I mentioned, you're really going to want to make sure that you're looking at your accounts receivable and understanding which buckets by time they're in. And again, you're going to want to look at the date of service, not date of transaction, but date of service for that AR. And so that's when things like looking at your AR over 90 days or the percent of AR over 90 days is going to be really important. And you'll want to look at your accounts receivable by both patient and insurance payments so you can understand Do you have an issue with patient payments or insurance payments or both? And again, remember, the older your AR is, the harder it is to collect on, especially because of the issues around timely filing. Now, if you are seeing issues with your accounts receivable, that's when it's time to meet with your billers and understand what's going on. If this is a consistent issue you're hearing over and over again and you're not seeing any movement, it may be time to make a change. And if you're having problems with patient payments, that's really working with your front office staff to make sure all co-pays, deductibles, and co-insurance are collected up front. No ifs, ands, and buts about it. And if possible, if you can set up a process where you're collecting credit cards to automatically charge patients if a invoice is overdue, that's an even better way to do it. Now, you do have to make sure you're using the right credit card processing system that can hold the credit cards and that you're PCI compliant. There are some rules and regulations around that. And if you need help, I have a patient payment policy you can reach out to at info at nationalrevenueconsulting.com, and I'm happy to send that over to you. So like I mentioned earlier, the other thing with accounts receivable is making sure your billers are posting all of the money that is being received into your bank account. I have cannot tell you how many practices we have encountered where both the patient and insurance payments were not being marked as received, even though they were coming into the bank accounts, which makes your AR look really, really large, when in reality, the money's in your bank account. And this just creates a lot of mess for your accounts, and it's expensive to get this corrected. So a couple tips, you really want to make sure that as much as possible, you have an automated way to connect patient payments and insurance payments, and that your billers are posting those timely if it's on them to post. So if you have paper EOBs or paper checks or anything like that, that does involve risk to not getting those automated. So where possible, work with the payers, get those electronic deposits put straight into your bank account, 
get as much automated through your practice management software. So your billers have a very easy way to say, Hey, we received these payments today. We are going to post these and it's going to be rock solid. Um, you're also going to want to have a automated process when it comes to having your patients pay an invoice. Meaning if you're sending out paper statements, but the patients are having to call the front desk in order to make a payment, that's just one more manual process that can cause issues for patient payment posting and just process and time for your staff. So as much as possible, automate where you can. As I always The billing department is one of the most important aspects of your business. And if you don't have key metrics that you're monitoring, you could be messing out on revenue. And again, what are we talking about today? Revenue and expenses. The third thing that practices really need to have a pulse on is your payer contracts. Every contract has its own unique details about requirements for prior auths, medical necessity, timely filing, and other details in addition to, of course, the reimbursement agreement. And so it's going to be extremely important that you understand the details around that so that you can avoid any denials or delays. It's very important to keep copies of all of your contracts and make sure when it's time to renegotiate those payment rates or when it's time to re-credential. And so if you have a credentialer that you're working with, please make sure that they're getting copies of those. If you don't have copies of them, start reaching out to each of those payers so that you can figure out how to get copies of those. It is really important to keep them. I know it's a painful process and it is just one of those things we just have to take control over and it is critical. Another aspect is to understand what the reimbursements are for non-physician providers and how that is spelled out in your contract. As we've talked about multiple times over the last couple of weeks, we've got incident two billing, we've got shared split billing when it comes to a facility setting. So really understanding that you're using those physicians and providers to the best of their license and having a formula that you can work with from a workflow perspective so that you can understand, okay, when do I have a non-physician provider be the one who's direct billing versus when does it make sense from a workflow or reimbursement standpoint to have them bill under the physician. So again, take a look at these when it comes to your contracts so that you can understand if there's changes needed in your office with how you're billing and how you're providing a workflow. Number four, patient communication. And I talk about this because this has an impact on your revenue. And I don't want it to be something that we overlook. When it comes to patient communication, it is critical because it can be a crucial factor in whether or not you're getting enough follow-up visits. Are those patients getting to their appointments on time? How many no-shows do you have? As well as patient satisfaction. All of those things lead to the success within your practice. And so patient communication is an important area that I don't want us to overlook. Everything from the registration process, the forms that they need to fill out, how they're filling out those forms, and when they're filling out those forms, to helping patients understand the payments that they're going to have to be responsible for and when they're going to be paying those. Like I mentioned earlier, a solid patient payment policy is going to be critical for your success. So you're collecting as much as you can up front after you've done eligibility and verification of what those payments should be for each of those patients. But then also having them understand that what happens when they get an invoice, how do they pay that invoice, and making that all as seamless as possible. And if you are able to train and incentivize your front office staff to collect those patient payments up front, that's only going to continue to keep that patient AR down and help make it simple as you send out patient statements. I certainly recommend that your 
training staff and those best practices that you are setting up for your practice so that everybody's on the same page. Even better if you can create a policy around this or a training video for new staff, because we all recognize that that can be an area in the office where there is high turnover. The other thing regarding patient communication has to do with invoices. And I kind of touched on this, but when you send out a patient invoices, what is the patient payment options that they have? Is it easy? Do they have to call the front office, which is not easy? Do you have a link attached to your uh, website that they can just go to and pay? Is there a text mechanism? Many of these are options to help streamline that patient payment policy process, right? If it's hard to pay, how often do you get an invoice and you're like, oh, I have to call the office. I'll just put this over here and I'm not going to pay that right now. So the, the easier you make that, the better. Now, I certainly recognize that for some of our patients who may be older than others, they may not want to have all these fancy electronic things. So you'll still want to have some way for them to be able to send in a check to make it easier for even our most elderly patients. And last, how are you tracking and getting patients in for their yearly exams or follow-up exams? Are you reminding them to reschedule? How many patients are missing these critical appointments, both from a clinical perspective, but also a revenue perspective? And is there a process by which you can help remind the patients, but without having these manual phone calls that your front office is having to do? Where can we leverage technology that makes sense from a revenue perspective to ease some of that burden on your front office staff. And that's where, as you know, if you understand your expenses, as you, if you understand the data around how many patients are missing these, then you can really understand, okay, how much revenue am I potentially missing? And then how much could I invest in a portion of that for technology to help streamline that and then increase that revenue? And so if you're tracking all of these things, it makes it easier to make business decisions so that you know, okay, now it's time to invest in some software or gosh, you know, what's working is doing well. So therefore we're not going to change anything. I always also suggest some sort of survey for patients so that they can understand and give you feedback on how they wish to be contacted. So you can always put that out to your patients along with any other things that you kind of want to get a feeling for from a patient engagement perspective. Some of that feedback can really impact the decisions that you make. So again, more communication, the better. And of course, as much automation as you can afford and is makes sense for what's going on in your practice. Certainly don't recommend, you know, buying a whole bunch of technology if it's not going to make an impact. So really understanding where do you need to make an impact? What KPIs are you going to be setting up for say this year or this quarter? And then investigating that data so you can make evidence-based decisions. So the last number five thing I'm going to talk about when it comes to helping make your practice thrive is team culture. And I know we talk a lot about this just, you know, out there in the world, but I do think that it does impact why people stay with their current jobs. So there's a management consultant, Peter Drucker, who once said that culture eats strategy for breakfast. We've all heard this. So a practice, we can have the best strategy, but if the culture doesn't align, then retaining key employees is going to be difficult. And I know keeping employees is so hard these days. We're seeing it in the hospitals. We're seeing it in practices. And so whatever we can do to really spend the time to set up, you know, a high quality mission statement, a vision statement, making sure that 
everybody understands the values for the office that you've set forth. And then doing this with both your leadership team and engaging even your most junior staff so that you can make sure everybody's on the same page when it comes to customer service and activities in your office. Patients really do pick up on this and you're gonna wanna have an environment that both your staff and your patients want to be a part of. Every no- Everyone knows when staff are unhappy, you're gonna see you know issues when it comes to patient care and patient customer service. So if you know your financial picture, you can also try and reward through commission or bonuses for patient engagement or financial performance. So an example of this is if you can track the data regarding copays and deductibles or coinsurance, you can set a target in terms of if the front office collects X percent, then there can be a reward for this. Again, it's about giving that extra oomph to make people really understand the importance of why we're doing it and help them share in that reward system. It's going to be really important, as always, to set reasonable expectations with regards to work effort, Uh, things that you have for goals for the practice, making everyone take part in that so that it's not just you as the practice owner, but it's your team members as well, that everybody's on the same page with the goals that you've set forth, the expectations that you have, and the needs you have for your practice in order for it not only to keep the doors open, but to truly thrive. As you all know, Employees really do become disengaged when they don't understand what the goals are, when they don't understand how they're contributing to the success of the organization. And disengagement is where you're going to see poor relationships. We're going to see that trickle down into the patient customer experience. So it's going to be important to make sure that your employees, your leadership are all properly trained. You have SOPs where it makes sense. Under Everyone understands what their role is in terms of contributing to the organization or the practice that you've built. Positive culture in the office is going to help with patient satisfaction as well as employee satisfaction, which is all going to lead to improved revenue. All right, last thing. So I'm going to review the top five things that we talked about today that really can impact your practice. Financial benchmarks, billing metrics, payer contracts, communication both with your patients and in your office, and team culture. And if you walk away with anything today, I ask that you guys all go sit down. If you're not tracking today your revenue expenses, start there. Just get a high-level understanding and then start breaking down each of those sections over time. Even the best practices necessarily aren't doing all of these things super well, So there's always room for improvement. There's room for improvement in any business. However, if you have focus on these areas and then really work on, okay, what's the biggest financial return first? So looking at productivity, accounts receivable, expenses, and benchmark those as a starting point, then you can kind of get on track and start understanding what a budget needs to be for the office and then tracking that over time so you can understand trends that are going on. Now, once those habits of tracking and analyzing the data kind of get set in stone, then it becomes easier to start identifying, okay, where do I have issues? Where do I have opportunities? How can I start setting KPIs to those? So a practice really of any size can accomplish this. And it doesn't necessarily require consultants or outside help to do it or to do it well, but you have to start somewhere. If this isn't your cup of tea, if you're like, hey, I don't wanna have anything to do with it, find somebody who can look at this for you so that you know 
At the end of the day, someone is watching over this. And if possible, you sit down with that person once a month and you review it. I think these are absolutely critical points for any private practice. Now for struggling practices, you're really going to want to start to focus on one or two items so that you can start understanding, okay, how can I start making some changes and recapturing the revenue or decreasing the expenses where I need to. Successful practice leaders are know how critical it is to set aside and dedicate time to paying attention to these numbers. And of course, as always, if you're looking for a billing partner, we're happy to help look at your own data when it comes to billing and coding. So you can certainly reach out on our website, www.nationalrevenueconsulting.com. And as always, thanks for listening this week and learning about the five tips that you can use in your practice in order to boost your revenue and your team culture.